Hello, and welcome back once again to the Faith Like a Child podcast. I'm Morgan, here with Megan. Hello. And we are here this week um, getting back to what we were on track to talk about last episode, and obviously did not. Um, but we wanted to spend some time talking about Jesus, specifically Jesus and his resurrection. And um, our goal today is because obviously there's a lot of ground we could cover with that. And I will upfront admit that it will be very hard for me to not turn this into like some sort of seminary 501 level class <laughs> discussion. We're going to try and keep it a little bit more grounded than that, um, especially because like I love to talk about this stuff, but I also need to figure out how to communicate it to my three-year-old. That's like the whole premise of this show, right? <laughs> um, so we're going to talk a little bit about what the resurrection is and means for us, how we kind of understand it. We want to talk a little bit about why it's so important to us and to the Christian faith generally, and then kind of conclude with how we think might be the most helpful ways to kind of communicate some of that importance. Because if you caught our episode a few weeks back, um, kind of getting into Easter bunnies and Lent and, and all these kind of, it'd be picking up on some threads of that discussion of how do we communicate the importance of Easter, which is, you know, the centerpiece of the Christian faith to our kids um, when it's both a difficult topic to understand, but also kind of culturally not as in the forefront as, say, Christmas is. Um, so, yeah, we'll be picking up on some threads of that conversation. So, Megan, I'll start with you because I feel like I always talk for like 15 minutes before we ever actually get into dialogue <laughs> on any of these things. Um, but I am kind of curious for you on both how you define Easter and Jesus's resurrection, especially the resurrection, because, um, spo well, and we should also give out a fair warning that Megan and I are in a small group that is currently going through NT rights. Um, I totally just blanked on the name. Surprised by hope. Surprised by hope. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it is not in fact late at night, but you would not know that by how my brain is responding sometimes. Anyway, but yes, we're going through NT rights, surprised by hope, which is all about, the resurrection hope um, and kind of some of the different uh, aspects of, of resurrection and why it's is so world changing and what it means for us as Christians living out in our hope in the world. Um, so probably a lot of what we say is uh, going to be <laughs> influenced by that because it's very fresh on our brains. Um, but yes, to get back to what, Curious, Megan, what you think of for the resurrection as um, how it's impacted your life and also how you and your Josh have kind of started to think about how do you communicate that or like what are some of the ways that you've gone into talking about the resurrection resurrection specifically? Um, because, I mean, let's be honest, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense that, you know, dead people don't rise and yet this is, you know, so central to our faith for a lot of different reasons, which we can get into in a little bit. But mm -hmm. I'm curious to hear which, how, how you have handled some of that. Yeah. Um, as for uh, me personally, um, you know, the resurrection, I believe, is the, you know, the single most important event in our history. Like that, um, a lot, when you think of Easter, a lot of the imagery is... Um, you know, like we talked about with the Easter bunny and whatnot, but also, you know, Jesus dying on the cross, which is very profound, but his death on the cross is pointless without 
the resurrection without him coming and conquering death and conquering all of that. And um, it is so much bigger, I think, than we we let ourselves see it. You know, it, it is so much bigger than our celebrations. It is so much bigger than, um, than, than, yeah, than we give it credit for. Um, and so around the Easter season, I do try to stop and sort of refocus myself on, you know, why, why it is such a big deal. And, you know, I know, uh, and Morgan can definitely tell you there are a lot of theories out there. There are a lot of different viewpoints on mm-hmm. the resurrection. Um, mine is fairly, fairly simple, um, fairly, fairly straightforward. You know, Jesus, he, he willingly died. He rose again, you know, and he was actually in the flesh for those 40 days. He revealed himself in the way that he chose to, to whom he chose to how he chose to, and then he, you know, ascended um, up into heaven and left his disciples to continue, (laughs) continue his work. Um, Our church is currently going through the book of Acts, and there is a challenge that our our leaders gave us to read a chapter a day um, and go through the entire book of Acts. And it, every time you read it, it just, something else just kind of hits me with, you know, just kind of how they're left to, to carry on the torch, you know, um, after, after Christ, um, has gone back up into heaven and just how, um, you know, Herod tried to be like, well, that's, that's not allowed, (laughs) you know, like, um, Mm -hmm. so, you know, just a very, I, I know some of the different thoughts and and theories on the resurrection, but that's kind of my take on it. Just very, I just read the scriptures and that's, that's what I see. That's what I, that's what I, that's what I um, hear and, and believe through that. Um, And the way that Josh and I share it with our kids is we, we try to, again, try to keep it as simple as possible. Um, What I see from the life of Christ um, while he was here on earth, he didn't try to overcomplicate things. He Mm -hmm. just, loved on people and and built relationships with people and basically told them okay guys pay attention are you listening here we Mm -hmm. go and he told stories very simple easy to understand stories he wasn't at least from my perspective was not trying to be super mysterious um to where we had to do a lot of guesswork he was pretty all right if you don't understand this well here's a parable for you oh you don't understand that one here let me use a different example you know and he was just very very good at keeping things straightforward. So that's how Josh and I try to do, try to talk about it with, with our kids. Um, and they, Eowyn is, is, um, so she'll, she'll be four in a few weeks, but she is just starting to understand what resurrection means, what it means to rise from the dead. You know, well, well, what is it? You know, well, when you're dead, you stay dead. Like you're dead. You, you don't come back. Except for Jesus, you know, she started to add that, you know, mm-hmm. sort of, oh, but ex- except for Jesus, he, he did. And Josh looked at her and said, well, what, what does that mean that Jesus rose from the dead? Um, and she and all of her, you know, three-year-old glory said, well, he stopped being dead. <laughs> like, yeah. 
it's yeah. true. Fair, you know, fair, fair point. Um, but the beautiful thing is then Killian, my five-year-old, jumped in and tried to explain it to her, you know, in the way that his five-year-old brain is understanding. And he's like, well, you know, would God, God told Jesus, you know, that he wasn't going to stay dead, that he, he came back. And, and that's how all of our sins got washed away when, when Jesus died. And then when he came back, you know, you don't have to be scared of dying. Like you don't have Jesus, Jesus beat it, you know, as you know, cause in his little mind, it's all good and bad and villains and good guys. And, you know, and this Jesus's resurrection was him beating beating Satan and beating death. And he's like, Satan lost. Jesus, Jesus rose from the dead and Satan lost. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, so he's trying to explain it to his little sister, which is really cute. And then Rory, you know, our almost eight-year-old jumps in and then tries to give, you know, his big brother, I, I am, you know, these, these children, you know, let, let, let me know tell all you the children. Things. Yes, he knows all the things. Um, he, if he was sitting next to me right now, he would say, well, yeah, I, I, I do. Um, but then he jumped in and it, it, it was really amazing. Like he, he, um, was talking about, well, in the Bible, it says, you know, and he, he's starting to, you know, really start to pull from scripture, which is such an amazing thing that it's starting to click more that he's now able to not only understand it from like a very simple story, but he's now starting to reach in and pull out a scripture you know, um, I still don't think he can give me references yet, but he, he knows the, you know, that he, he remembers when daddy's been reading it and, um, you know, and it talked about how, when he came, he's like, they looked at his hands cause they didn't, they didn't believe him, but you know, there were the, the scars, like they actually touched him. He wasn't a ghost, you know, cause Eowyn was like, is he a ghost? And Killian's like, no, he was a zombie. <laughs> and Rory's like, no, <laughs> he was real. Like he, he, he was, he was back and he was real. And like, there was this whole conversation about it. And so, you know, I know I'm, I'm probably getting to the point of rambling at this point, but what I have found with your children when talking about this is it is so important and it's too important to try to overcomplicate it before they can really understand you know, Eowyn has as much of an understanding as a three-year-old can. Killian has as much of an understanding as a five-year-old can. Rory, as he's growing and as he's flooring me, because I'm not expecting a not quite eight-year-old to be able to, you know, put things in a way where he's like pulling other stories and other scriptures and other things that he's heard and really is starting to make sense of this in his mm -hmm. own in his own way. You know, but to try to overcomplicate it the way we overcomplicate it, because we're trying to like look at all the different things, which are all very important to get a full picture, but they, it, it clouds out the simple truth mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. Christ died willingly because he loves us and he wanted to sacrifice for us. And he rose again to show that this is not something, you know, not even death can can conquer, you know, can keep mm -hmm. him down. And um, it's such a beautiful, beautiful story. And that is the the simple, beautiful truth of it all. And so right now in this stage that we're in, we're trying to keep it very focused on that mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. that they can really get that truth in their heart and really make that the cornerstone 
of everything that they're going to build on top of that as they move forward. Yeah. Yeah. And like that totally makes sense. And I, I think too, that the age appropriateness, I mean, that's so true of a lot of things we talk about on this podcast, but I mean, like for Nora, she, we were just getting into like conversations about the concept of death itself. And I know your family has gone through some things that our family has not yet. And so that's part of it too. Like every family is going to have a little bit of different of how death and suffering have affected you and have affected young kids. And so that's like to even explain why it's significant that Jesus is risen. First, your kids kind of have to grasp that death is significant and Mm -hmm. painful in a way. So, you know, that's a, have that conversation. Yeah. So that's a whole other aspect that um, plays into this too. But I think, yeah, like I say, to have it be the cornerstone in at least kind of simple terms and kind of building on from there. Because, I mean, like when I think about for what it, what resurrection means to me personally and like the journey of my faith and what I've been on. And I've been reflecting on this a lot lately because of reading, well, for me, largely rereading Surprised by Hope by mm-hmm. N.T. Wright. Um, I read quite a bit of it in, in college and seminary throughout at times throughout college and seminary. So, but I, when I think about how I grew up in faith, like obviously the res- Easter and the resurrection was always very central, like that kind of way. But I had never really, for one reason or another, thought about the physicality of it um and the importance of that physicality that's been something that's really come back to me and i think i think partially it's i didn't suffer a lot of loss Mm -hmm. of close family or friends in my own young life um and uh, barring a few things that hit our community when i was in middle school like most of the time my encounters with death have been like the classic like they died at a, a ripe old age, like a w- life well lived. So like there's still sadness of separation, but it doesn't feel sudden. Those moments of trauma that I have also experienced now, like that, those are the moments that you're like the physicality of the resurrection starts to matter a lot more mm-hmm. in ways that you can't really describe until I, you know, started reading right and others because like, I think growing up for me in my mind, there was a sense that yes, Jesus rose from the dead and his body, like the tomb is empty. His body was gone, but unintentionally there was a kind of this thought of like, Jesus isn't physically, like it doesn't matter what his body is like after resurrection, right? Because death is conquered. So it doesn't matter. Like our bodies aren't going to, you know, there's a right gets into this actually about the kind of this. And I, having gone to seminary now and studied about things like Gnosticism and some of the stuff in the history of the early church and all these heresies of like, so for those who aren't familiar with Gnosticism, like this is actually probably one of the things that is the most prevalent in one form or another throughout church history in that um, it, it harkens back to Plato and the idea that the physical world to put it very, very simply, the physical world is bad. The spiritual world is what's good. So to one degree or another, this is a heresy that's kind of impacted our thing, our life and thinking. Um, and so you start to think, oh, you know, Christ, you know, came back from the dead. 
But and so when we come back from the dead, like our bodies are going to be perfect and, you know, there won't be pain or suffering, which, you know, was biblically mentioned. But like it's also very physically and importantly highlighted that Jesus came back with his scars, um, that he had a physical body that ate food. And it clearly wasn't like a normal body because he could just appear and disappear at random. So like there's clearly something different about it, but there is there's still an emphasis on the fact that it was a physical resurrection, right? And that's, I think, helpful when we think about the impact of the resurrection on our day-to-day living, that, that this world, like, this world isn't our home. We know that. But at the same time, like, it is our home. Like, what what the resurrection promises and that why it's so important and why it's so cornerstone is not only that Jesus defeated death, but in that def- defeating of death, he is the firstborn of the new creation. Like, this is the promise that we have, that what comes when heaven, you know, that vision in Revelation where heaven comes down and earth is once again restored and we have that kind of union with God. It's like, we are resurrected bodies. We'll, st- we'll still be us, but different in that that's the vision that Christ's resurrection provides, which obviously is a little complicated to to convey to a three-year-old or a seven-year-old or even a 25-year-old or a 33-year-old like me <laughs> sometimes. But I think there, when I think about how I want my kids to live in the world, and this kind of gets into why it's important for us, right? Like there's so many different ways that this matters. And I I love how, I, I, I definitely recommend if you haven't read Surprised by Hope yet um, by N.T. Wright. We'll include a link in the show notes, but like read it or download it on audiobook or however you want to read it. But I, I would highly recommend it, one, because it puts such good historical context to everything around the resurrection. I know we talked about this a lot in our small group, Megan, but how it was so nice because a couple of the early chapters, there's like one whole chapter about what the, the world of Jesus's day thought about the idea of resurrection and death and the body in both like Jewish thought and then just like broader ancient like Roman world thought. And the kind of has pointed out and others have pointed this out too, but it's like everyone likes to think that, you know, it was post the enlightenment and the scientific revolution be like, oh yeah, you know, no one believes that bodies, you know, return from the dead anymore. That's just like an old superstition. It's like, well, newsflash, they didn't believe that in first century Israel-Palestine either. <laughs> that was not a common thing to think that, yes, people just return from the dead on the regular. Which was kind of mind-blowing for me when I got older because, you know, as a kid, as a teenager, that's what I thought. I, mm-hmm. I thought that, oh, well, yeah, I'm sure it's unusual, but I'm sure people were, you know, into all kinds of superstition and, you know, not a big deal. Like Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, but you don't, I, I never stopped to think about, well, Lazarus wasn't dead for three days. They didn't bury him. And... Actually, he was dead for four days. Was that he? Was, yeah. And John talks about how his body's been in there for four days. Like there's going to really? be a stink. Yeah. See, it you was... learn something new every day. Yeah, and that's actually, it is interesting, too, because it gets into some of the older texts that aren't technically in the scripture. But, like, when you read, that was one of the reasons why, like, in, there's theories and discussions. I don't know how seriously they're taken, but that actually the beloved disciple in John is actually, like, the person who wrote John actually might have been Lazarus. But, the like, he was a target along with Jesus um, because of 
this you know the stir that his resurrection had made but anyway yeah no he had been dead for several days wow i think it was four um maybe that's why i didn't think anything of it growing up um that you know of course that i mean people it's not often that people get raised from the dead mm-hmm. but you know well, yeah and that's like completely abnormal but and then, there's yeah, several reading. like there's the resurrection of john there like mm-hmm. there's other or in john of lazarus there's i mean he you know raises a 12 like he does do other resurrections right. for people who had recently died right so um, in my and my young brain, you know, I was like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, you know, resurrection must have not been such an outlandish idea back then, you know, with their superstitions and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, as I as I got older and and studied more and whatnot, it, and and reading N.T. Wright and Timothy mm-hmm. Keller mm-hmm. and realizing that yeah, no, that that was not that would be just as outlandish as it happening today, if not more so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, and it's a, like the ra- the raising of Lazarus is like a central hinge point in terms of, you know, the halves. That one, actually, I will include a link to the show notes. But if you watch the um, Bible Project video on the book of John, they get into that a little bit about the, the, the centrality of the resurrection of Lazarus to the structure of the book of John and everything. Um, it's, they're both really good videos. Um, but yeah, so that the fact that it's, you know, actually very uh unusual and <laughs> not a, like they would have just thought it was as crazy then as we do now even without all of our scientific advancements to show just how badly <laughs> you can't like how impossible it can be mm-hmm. um yeah and then i also really appreciate that he right gets into um a lot of the theories of and excuses of like how the resurrection story could have been made up or why the kind of the inconsistencies in scripture are actually further better evidence that it is like from a historian standpoint of that it is something that happened than it isn't um because and i hadn't really thought about this either until i had read right of like how you know you have these the resurrection stories in the gospels, but there's not really any like deep theolo- theologizing in there. There's not like a lot of exposition. There's like, there's some setup toward it, like especially in John. Um, again, this, I was reading this one theory. I was like, again, I don't know how widely read this is, but it's just, it's kind of been an idea that hasn't left my head. But one of the reasons this person was arguing that, uh, Lazarus might be have actually been the person that wrote John is because everything John of all of the gospels John is the one that really kind of focuses and hints the most towards like the power and meaning of the resurrection and like the um kind of the centrality of that and part of that is is because John is also ri- written to oppose gnosticism in the church um that's pretty clear from like John 1 but for someone who to to have the potential of someone writing the book who had already died and come back, you know, from the dead, there's some, to me, at least there's like some, I don't know if I would call credence, but just kind of some intellectual curiosity that has arisen at the thought of like, Oh yeah, here's someone who has already died once and come back from the dead and is now writing about his experience kind of from the sidelines a little bit about what Jesus was doing in the world. But anyway, that's a side tangent. Try not to make this a seminary class. <laughs> Um, stay on target stay on target stay on target (laughs) um but yes like the the different 
ways that there's like you know different who who was actually at the tomb first how many disciples ran after the women came Mm -hmm. you know kind of some of those like um eyewitness differences across the four gospels is actually right points out like that's actually probably more indicative that there was like clearly a sign something happened but no one had quite gotten their story straight because if it was like this we're gonna you know do this together then there'd be more consistency on that front because like when you think about some of the consistencies or inconsistencies of other parts of, especially the synoptic gospels. Um, anyway. Okay. Try not to make it. Go, <laughs> do not resist the urge to make it a seminary class. <laughs> if anyone is curious to find more about it, you can email me at faith like a child pod and we can get into a big, uh, big discussion on it. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so that's why I, I, I find Wright's book really helpful in kind of highlighting some of those and thinking about, because like those are some of the questions and I think Megan you probably haven't quite got to this yet with Rory, but you probably sense too of like why having a resource like that or human thinking about some of those questions can be really helpful for how we communicate to the kids. Because like, especially like, like for me going forward, I probably actually will make a habit of making sure I read the four gospels, you know, during Lent time to think about the upcoming Easter. And when you start diving into the gospels regularly, those differences are going to come out, right? Or if you start thinking about like those four gospels in comparison to, um, I'm blanking on where Paul, which which letter Paul is, I think it's the letter to the Corinthians, but I can't remember for sure. But where Paul is talking about how, um, you know, the list of Je- who Jesus appeared to, he never once mentions the women, even though the women were the first one there. Um, and so like, that's kind of a whole other side tangent again don't get into a seminary class. But, um, you, you know, you start to see some of those inconsistencies or ne- maybe not necessarily even inconsistencies because, like, they're still consistent. There's just, like, different kind of the evolution of, well, in that sense of the society reaffirming that women weren't highly regarded in terms of their testimony at the time, and that's part of the whole thing. Um, anyway. Um, but, yes, yeah, so all that is to say is, like, to think through, like, you want to have those core basics, like, to build on, like you said, but also to be really thinking through, like, how do you interact? And in, in, and this could be a whole podcast and probably will be a whole podcast episode down the road of how do you deal with, quote, unquote, inconsistencies in the biblical narrative that make it hard, like, harder to, for our modern brains to feel like it's, truthful or like because it again all of these documents were written in a very different time of how people told stories or collected information but yeah so like i appreciate the way that wright's book can get into some of like those historical and biblical contexts and kind of prepare us to think through when those kind of questions come up with our kids but i also think that it's helpful for reading his book and others and just engaging in these discussions to get to the back to that kind of question we were kind of starting to touch on of why it's so important um, and what it what it means for us, right? Like, I feel, I mean, obviously, again, this is like literally what the entirety of Christian faith and theology and history is kind of centered around. But like, why is it important for us to to study and talk about the resurrection for ourselves and for our kids? Um, yeah, I think... Um having these discussions 
Um, you know, like I was mentioning earlier that I had one way of looking at things growing up and then upon mm -hmm. further discussion, further study, further, you know, it, I was able to see things in, in a different light. Um, like I was talking about, um, in our small group last night that, um, you know, growing up, I, I always had one view of, of um, you know, heaven and, and, you know, the new earth and that, you know, in that, um, area of the Bible where it talks about, you know, the, the new heaven and in the new earth, but how over time through, again, more conversations like this, more study, more reading books, um, it's my, my view has, has gotten broader, you know, to the sense where, Again, I, I do believe that a lot of these are um, kind of unanswerable to an extent uh, to know for sure exactly how it happened, exactly how it's going to be and exactly, mm -hmm. but to broaden your mind to the idea that God can and will do, you know, what he plans to do. And it, it's not to just pigeonhole us into one way, you know, one way of thinking, okay, well, I know this to be true, so we don't ever have to talk about it again, is not, it's not helpful. Because then what happens when those questions come and you've never let yourself look at all the different questions and thoughts, then when your kids ask you those questions, you're going to default to the, well, because I said so, just, mm -hmm. just trust me, you know, <laughs> and that's not going to instill a whole lot of confidence. Like we want to keep searching keep praying, keep studying, keep learning so that when we do get those questions, we can give them an answer that will help our kids see that we are, you know, where, where our faith is, where our mm -hmm. trust is. And you know, like we've been saying all along, it's okay to say, I don't know, but you can't say that for everything because eventually they'll stop asking you questions. You mm -hmm. know, there, mm -hmm. you do at, at some point have to basically say, you know, I, I've done a lot of discussing and, and, and learning and study and, and, and whatnot. And this is kind of the conclusion I've come to. Mm -hmm. um, but this is how I found that. And, and showing them kind of where, where our belief is coming from instead of it just being, a, oh, well, you know, I heard a sermon once, you know, and, and that's it. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it just, I don't, I don't know if what I'm saying makes any sense. But. No, it definitely does because I, it actually, I think like, I guess to me too, and I'm maybe a little biased because this is one of the reasons why I went to seminary in the first place, but I'm like, if something is so central to my faith and to my life, it just in general, I'm like, I, I feel like this is so important to prioritize for me and to then prioritize in how I raise my kids, like, I can't be satisfied with the I don't know questions either. Like, they're okay to say I don't know, but then I'm like, I want to be figuring out ways to explain either why we can't know or like studying ways of like, well, you know, here's like, here are some aspects of what we do know and what, how this can impact us, but why we can't know for sure kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. um, because like, I mean, it's kind of not to like, one of my probably biggest criticisms of American Christianity is how much we hyper individualize our relationship with Jesus and kind of take out some of the community aspects. But like, if there's nothing else about like thinking about individual relationship with Jesus, it's like, if you are in like a really deep committed relationship and someone asks you a really important question about that person that you're in committed relationship to, and you say, I don't know, like more often than not, you're not going to just let that answer lie. Like you're going to go and ask that person. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, so, you know, we had an interesting discussion today and someone asked me, you know, what was your most favorite movie when you were a kid? Like, what's the kid movie you can't wait to show your kids when they're, you know, of the right age? And I don't know the answer to that. Like what, you know, like things like that, where that's a really basic one that just came to mind because we were talking about that last night for my Josh and I. But like, um, we just recently had that conversation, too. <laughs> Again, it's like, and these questions that come up that you're like, and people are like, I don't know. And I'm like, oh, like you don't leave that answer alone, right? Like it's a perfectly acceptable answer for the moment because you don't want to lie. But at the same time, it's like, I don't want to, like if I really do care about something and someone, I'm not going to just let it be there. You want to grow the relationship. Yeah. And that's where the, the searching you know, the, the diving deeper, it's not for me. And I've said this on the podcast before where my Josh and I differ, um, is he needs to know why just, just because he wants to know why. Um, and for me, it's not really all that important to know why, because I, at the end of the day, I'm like, I trust that God knows more than I do. And I trust Mm -hmm. that things are happening according to his plan. Even if I don't understand it, I trust that. However, I do think that diving deeper and and searching the why to an extent is important because like you were saying, it helps grow the relationship. Mm -hmm. It helps you know God deeper. We will never be able to know all of God and all of the whys, but the searching deepens the relationship. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. the, the trying to learn more helps you under, you know, helps you connect more, helps you Mm -hmm. know just a little bit more. And even though you can't ever, we can't ever know everything, don't we want to always strive to know just a little bit more Mm -hmm. and just a little Mm -hmm. bit more and just a little bit more. Like you were saying, if it's a relationship that you care about, searching is important. It's, you know, even if like find for me, finding out the actual answer is not necessarily the most important thing because I've accepted the fact that I'm never going to know why on a lot of things um Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know and but but to the searching the you know the journey um Mm -hmm. it it strengthens it strengthens the relationship with each step with each Mm -hmm. question with each you Mm -hmm. know with each new new part of the process um it helps to strengthen your relationship with god um Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. if i'm just doing it like i love that you were talking about the the individualized relationship though that is incredibly important um at our church part of my job is i um, put together parent family small groups to help you know family you know parents and families in similar seasons of life connect and grow with each other because that is so important in our small group just having our conversations i am i am growing in my faith because I am hearing other perspectives. I'm hearing about Morgan's faith walk. I'm hearing about her journey. And that, you know, inspires me to to learn more and to grow more. And that helps my own individual relationship with God, you know, by being part of that community, by by loving God together, it helps me strengthen my relationship independently. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so I, I totally agree with what with what Morgan was was getting at there. Yeah. So I feel like we always kind of end our talks on these with the same core thing. But I guess this is our version of keeping the main thing the main thing. Yes. But if there is that sense of it, it's good to examine and know, like like you were talking about earlier, Megan. I think it's it's so helpful to like what's the core thing you really want your kids mm-hmm. to take away from, like like I. Like for me personally, coming out of this conversation, I'm like, okay, so what I really want Nora to understand is how 
important it is that Jesus did rise from the dead and why that's so different. And not everyone is going to rise from the dead, like, right now. And, but it gives us hope in different ways. And, and then as she gets older, we can get into those theology 501 level questions of, mm-hmm. you know, the physicality of Christ's resurrection and how his physical body ascended into heaven and what it means to have Christ in heaven as a physical body, which I hadn't really thought about much until this year, but that's a whole, again, whole other five, 501 level conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, but the impact that it has on, on my thinking about uh, Christ incarnate and Emmanuel God with us and now the physical body is with God. Anyway, um, and by but giving yes. her that cornerstone at this age, then we can get into those fun conversations. That firm yes. foundation to then build up and have all of those extra, you know, conversations, the deeper conversations. Mm-hmm. It just it builds. And I think it leaves room too, and this is probably a topic we can get into at a, another date too. But I think having that that kind of same shared foundation, one of the reasons why I like going to to our church and how, you know, the focus on keeping the main thing, the main thing is like for me as someone who really is into to doctrine and theology and kind of studying some of these things, like there are core elements that are important, but like if you get too lost in the details, you can miss the forest for the trees and all that. And then it also kind of gives room, I guess, is what I'm looking for, for for when you inevitably come into a moment, whether it's with your spouse or a close friend or one of your kids, where you, at the end of the day, recognize that you have the same core belief, but maybe a different approach to interpreting some aspect that of it that, um, not that it doesn't matter, but it's not as central as that core belief, if that makes sense. And so it's easier to kind of maybe make peace or at least let some of those differences be um, because that is kind of one of the things that is so important about being in community and recognizing that is if you can build a good community of friends and believers where you recognize that you have very different beliefs on some of the things, but if at the end of the day, like you're all walking, walking in step of wanting to be closer to, to God and to Jesus and living a life that's, you know, imitates Christ who lived in a physical body and, you know, mm-hmm. died and was raised in a physical body, like some of those core things that we're talking about, it makes those differences much easier to navigate and handle, yeah. which is, <laughs> frankly, something extremely needed in our current context. Exactly. Yeah, it's so important to have that, to know what you believe at the core. When you strip away all of the extra you know, all of the extra converse, you know, all the extra layers at the core, you know, that phrase you're going to hear from us a lot. It's very central to our church, keeping the main thing, the main thing. Like, what is that? Like knowing what that is and having that firmly planted in there, then yes, you go and you, you add the layers and you ask the questions and you, you know, you do the research, but you can keep, it's like having a compass set to true north. Mm-hmm. You can go wherever you want, and you're always going to find your way back because that compass is still, it has a point that it will always go back to. But if you start walking and the compass isn't actually connecting with true north, well, mm-hmm. then you're just going to be, you know, wandering aimlessly, you mm-hmm. know. So at the very heart of this discussion, at the very heart of this podcast is really, you know, from, you know, Morgan's vision for creating this um 
from my understanding anyway, um, is, you know, to try to do that, to try to, to try to have these conversations where we are really cementing our, our true North so that then we can help our kids navigate mm-hmm. and not worry about getting off course because we, our compass is, fo- is pointing to, you know, the main thing pointing mm-hmm. to Christ. And we are always mm-hmm. are always going back there. So even though we can look at this thing, look at that thing, ask this question, research this, have these conversations, it's nothing to be afraid of because we know where our compass is going to take us and mm-hmm. we know where the truth lies. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that's, that's, a, that's a security we can then give to our children. Yeah. We can show them, look at the compass. Whenever you are scared, whenever you're in doubt, wherever you don't know, just look at, you know, find North, mm-hmm. you know, find Christ and point to him and he will make things a lot less complicated when we are like, oh, well, what about this? And I'm so stressed about this, you know, you know, with the resurrection. Well, well, what about this theory? And what about that? At the end of the day, do you believe that he died? Yes. Do you believe that he rose again? Yes. Do you know why that is so important? Yes. Okay. You have your true North. Mm-hmm. Now go ahead and learn more and ask more and research more, but just remember where where your true north lies. And I think that that is such such an important thing to remember, especially in this day and age where everything is everywhere and there's so mm-hmm. much information and nobody knows mm-hmm. what's true and nobody knows what's not true and you know and it's just mm-hmm. it's a lot. Um, mm-hmm. Just having that faith, having that security in bringing our compass back. I think is is just where we need to go with yeah. this parenting journey. <laughs> As the old hymn says, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm going to make myself cry a little bit now. Anyway, but yes, I feel like that's amen to everything you just said, Megan. That's um, <laughs> I feel like that's a good word to end on. I could obviously always talk about this for another hour, but... Yeah, the keeping the main thing, the main thing, keep your eyes on Jesus. Because that, I think to me, one of the things I, I pray about a lot, and I get convicted by a lot when I read the Gospels and come across these verses every time, both as a parent now, and I think also kind of with my work in communications and with this podcast of where Jesus is talking about um, the when, you know, people come to him and will say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do all these things in your name? And he says, I never knew you. Um, are you focusing on the right part of the name? Are you focusing on who Jesus actually is and not what you think Jesus should be? And that's where, yeah, keeping that main thing and knowing the core and always going back to the Gospels and to the Bible, to to the words that God's given us to know him better is mm-hmm. is a good start. And at some point, we're going to have to also have a conversation about prayer life because that's oh, actually, yeah. that's an area I struggle with a lot in terms of, feeling both I do it but I do it too informally in the sense of like I am I having a conversation with myself when I'm talking out loud or is this actually a conversation with God and how do I frame my my mindset but that's another key aspect in terms of like connection with God and actually will probably lead something maybe we'll talk about in the next episode or one of these upcoming near-ish future because we're gonna have to start shifting to if we're following our path of the, loosely using the Apostles' Creed, we're going to be getting into the Holy Spirit next and and what comes at Pentecost. So maybe that's how we'll frame our next discussion. All right. Well, in the meantime, thank you once again for joining us. Um, if you have any 
questions, comments, um, thoughts about this episode or any other episodes, or if there's anything you want us that you're, you're curious and would love us to talk about in a, a future episode, uh, email us at faithlikeachildpod, P-O-D, at gmail.com. Or you can connect with our Facebook group. Um, try and I'm trying to be better about getting things on social media, but you guys, I'm, I'm bad at the social media game. I'm, I'm such a stalker and lurker and not an actual poster. So <laughs> it's not a very active Facebook group, but maybe someday I'll actually remember to post discussion questions after these things go live. That might be months from now. But in any case, you can join the Facebook group so that whenever I get my act together, <laughs> or you can post your own discussion questions too, and we'll go from there. Um, and yeah. As always, if you like this episode, please share it with a friend. Leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you can get your podcasts. I don't know if all of them let you leave reviews, but hey, we can find out together. And uh, we'll talk to you again next time. Bye. Bye. Why? <laughs> Tell me why. Oh, gosh. <laughs> that, that's going to be stuck in my head for a while. Yeah. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> Thanks for that.